All New Yorkers 12 and older can now get COVID-19 vaccines. And we have one thing to say. Woohoo! It's your turn. Get vaccinated today. Visit nyc.gov slash vaccine finder or call 877-VAX-4-NYC. gonna do with our children what are we gonna do to show we care how are we gonna be there for our children when they feel that life has just not been Now your host. Good evening and welcome back to Masks Weekly Radio Show on Family Matters. Mask, Mothers and Fathers Align Saving Kids. Kids of all ages and all stages, all mental health issues, including addictions. If you know someone that needs a parent support group, referral for an inpatient or outpatient program, whether it's for mental health, trauma, addiction, please feel free to give us a call at our confidential helpline, 718 Zero, zero. And we are open from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day, Friday till two hours before Shabbos, Saturday night after Shabbos, all day Sunday, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Again, I will repeat our number. Maybe you want to jot it down for yourself, a loved one, a neighbor, or someone you usually would sit next to and show number. 718-758-0400. And remember, you can even call anonymous. Just describe a situation, and we will try and help get you to the right therapist, the right parent group, the right inpatient program, intensive outpatient program. We have a yeshiva liaison available so if you need a new school for a child, please give us a call. Nobody should be out there struggling alone. We are coming up in February will be our 25th anniversary of doing this work. Our helpline has reached over 112,000 families have used our services so don't go it alone. Please give us a call so we can be there for you. And if you would like to donate to Mass to help us continue all our programs and these struggling families, please go on to www.massparent.org. Donate every penny counts, small amount, large amount, doesn't matter. Please be our partner. Help us help the people that are struggling. 
there are so many kids that have overdosed. We're talking hundreds and hundreds over the last couple of years. Please let us give the tools that help us with our programs so we can offer the tools, the resources to families that are struggling. Tonight, I am really, really, I say this for all my guests, I feel, but that's because I've been working with these people for so many years, my colleagues, and they're really in my life, in Mask's life, with families, with parents, on an everyday basis, for so, so many of them. And I want to include the famous Satsa Louise Sanger. Good evening. How are you? Love oh to have you goodness. on. I um, am so excited to see you and to be with you again. Um, thank you so much for inviting me. And God, isn't it wonderful that the world is opening up and um, we maybe one day will be able to actually see each other in person again. Oh, I cannot wait. And while we are talking about our in-person get-togethers, I want to just say that I love spending the time with you at the Nefesh International Conferences, usually. And I miss seeing you there. But I do want to let everyone know that, yes, Ezra Stem with God's help, Nefesh will be happy your in-person conference once again in December. So hooray, hooray, let everybody stay well, be well, stay well, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there, Louise. Oh, oh my God, if, if, if I'm able to, I will definitely be there in December. I just love seeing you there and being with you. We, we spend time with you there, everybody getting together and learning. You know, I mean, really the strength-based solutions and all the different wonderful professional programs that Nefesh has to offer to strengthen and educate all the therapists. Nefesh, actually, I don't know if you know this, Louise, but Nefesh has 900 therapists that are members that come for programs. So, I mean... What could be better than getting educated, getting your C credit, and going to this next four-day conference? Right. I love seeing you there. So let's get to it. Dr. Louise Stanger is an Ivy League Award winner of the Interventionist of the Year from the DB Resources in London and McLean Hospital and a film Harvard. And she is an author, actually. She's a licensed clinician. And she's doing this for maybe even almost, I would say, almost double the time that I'm in this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, probably 40 years, what do you say? Is it 40 years already? Um, oh, yes. It really <laughs> is. It really is. Right. It's, so, it's yeah, so you're coming yeah, up it's to... It's so crazy. It really yeah. is. You are coming up to double the years of mask. So, I just want to say that her latest book 
is an amazing tool for everyone to read that's affected by addiction in the family. And the name of her book is Addiction in the Family, Helping Families Navigate Challenges, Emotions, and Recovery. So go out, order it, get online. If you have somebody that is struggling with any addiction, please go out and get that book. Or you don't have to really go too far. We get online. And I really, Dr. Stanger, I really want to speak about anxiety, depression, COVID, the so much as a result of out of COVID for everyone. And I know that 24 years that Mask Helpline has gotten calls from thousands upon thousands of clients. We never, in all the years, had so many phone calls about anxiety like we're having now. So I want to ask you, tell me about in general from your experience being an interventionist, being an addiction specialist, having such a wide range of um, access to so many rehabs. Tell me about what, from your point of view, what COVID brought out with families, please. Oh, I think there are so many different things that COVID brought out with families. First of all, suddenly, you know, your world was really shrunk. And you, you, because you were afraid to go out, you couldn't really interact, you were wearing masks, schools changed from being, you know, your children going off to school, and suddenly you were on Zoom school. Teachers really weren't taught on how to teach online. And all of a sudden, everybody was together. And there was a great deal of fear and hyper this earlier I wrote about the fact that during COVID, people actually experienced decision fatigue. Um, and, and that's really interesting. On a normal day, people make 35,000 decisions. And in COVID, you made less decisions, but you were hypervigilant about them because you were afraid to move, you were afraid to go, you might have been afraid to see your loved ones, your relatives. And then on top of that, you know, little decisions became really stressful. Do I go to a grocery store? You know, can I go and see my, my, my grandmother or my mother, my, my father? So all those things are really added to anxiety. And, you know, um, and over the last few weeks, I and the rest of the world have encountered so many changes. Masks are suddenly off. Crowds are gathering, travel is up, violent crime is up, temperatures are rising all across the, the world, and even the Olympics are on, but they're monitoring the sand. And what, what's fine, what we're finding is that these kinds of changes mean different things for different people. For some, the return feels sort of abrupt and jarring. For others, it's joy and elation. Um, but um, all of us have, I think, no one can disagree that all of us have expended an enormous amount of energy navigating the whole pandemic, constantly with loved ones. But, you know, 
according to the CDC, you know, safety and getting back to a routine, to normal, requires being fully vaccinated. So in addition, we have to um, really think about that. So challenging, um, you know, I think that people are really experiencing a lot of anxiety. And that by anxiety, I mean people are having difficulty concentrating, restlessness, poor sleep. I don't know how your sleep is, but most people have reported they really had difficulty sleeping, irritability, um, persistent worry about health, finances. A lot of people lost their jobs during yes. COVID. And, um, you know, they lost the way I'm feeling overwhelmed and a general sense of doom and gloom, like even though COVID is, is supposedly over, there's always the fear of the Delta variant, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes people have negative thoughts, but I want everybody to know that help is all already available. We know, for example, in COVID that, um, uh, you know, if you're feeling anxious, just blame your brain because your brain is doing that. It's not you doing it. It's just that we've been so busy being able to, to, to um, try and navigate all that we're going through that this, um, this happens. So, um, you know, I, I really want to talk about that. And the other thing that's come up is um, substance abuse is up, depression is up, and a lot of times um, it's related also you can feel that you're somehow or other your stomach is hurting. So if, you, if suddenly your stomach is hurting, your GI, it probably has to do with that's the gut is sort of what we call the second brain in our head, and it plays an important role in our bodies and in our mental health. So researchers have been taught, studying physical symptoms and, and their relationship to mental health systems as well. So um, if, you know, you're feeling anxious, there's several types of also physical symptoms that go along with that, like indigestion, even on an empty stomach, sleeplessness, hyperventilation, stomach pain, heartburn, nausea, vomiting. So these are the side effects, I think, of what's happening um, with COVID, along with the increased usage of substances. Yeah, um, I, I, I want to... First, before we talk about the substance misuse, I want to bring up something that, I mean, humans, you know, our brains are wired for social, to be social, interactions, make connections, you know, communities organize different things, whether it's religious, spiritual, whatever, you know, common goals of getting together. But... They say that 50% of mental health disorders begin before the age of 14. So the kids were home and they're battling loneliness, not in school, they're not out with friends, there's no outside activities, there's a lot of internet use for many, um, a lot of Zoom for school on the phone. And you say with anxiety and depression, there are those that are predisposed, you know, predisposed to it, genetics, whatever may be contributing factors. And then there are those that could be just 
really unhappy being home during COVID with their family and a small apartment or nowhere to go and depressed they can't go to their friends. So can we talk about how that can contribute with the anxiety and depression being that the age before 14, you may still not even know if they're suffering from a gene in the family, possibly. Well, I, I think, you know, young people, um, one thing that I've seen so much and starting at age 13 or 14 is, you know, while they've been stuck at home, one of their best friends has been, if they have access, is the Internet. And with the Internet comes a um, host of sort of challenges. Um, I'm thinking of one case in particular, a very famous um, therapist in, in L.A. area who um, her son um, bought drugs through Snapchat and sadly overdosed and died. There's um, a tremendous amount of, you know, Snapchat, Snapchat, TikTok. These are things that, like, someone my age or your age is not as familiar with, but it gives them access to and exposure to. The other issue that has increased during COVID is gaming and going into the web because, you know, in, everybody is looking for connection. Because we know that the opposite of isolation is connection. And when all you have is a digital device, you tend to, lo to lose yourself. Also, you know, kids, um, kids are, in, when you talk about a 13-year-old or 14-year-old, the way they're communicating with one another is through texting. Um, for example, the largest teen line, helpline for suicide in the country, um, gets more 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 inquiries via text than by telephone. So, you know, this is sort of a medium that you're, as parents, you want to navigate, you want to see what your, your child is doing, and at the same time trying to figure out. But the kids are alone. They're not used to doing, doing what they're doing. So it's easy to believe yeah. someone. It's easy to feel lost. Happens to be, Louise, I don't know if you know, but where we in your... Um, psych wards are full. Yeah, it's like waiting lines to get into a psych ward. These young adults are so emotionally drained. They're suicidal. They so much has happened in the last year and a half. The ongoing struggle, a lack of a support system, or you know, yeah. issues at home. Well, what, what I really want to speak about is I, I have had experience um, with um, substance-induced psychosis, and most of those have been a result of heavy marijuana use, um, yeah. and that can start pretty young. Um, and so we know, and also suicide ideation, we know that death by, we first of all, I want your listeners to know that suicide, death by suicide, and you, you'll hear I'm saying that, suicide is a brain disease. And um, just like um, alcoholism or drug dependency is, is, is a brain disease, 
Um, and so what's happening is you get this myopic feeling where that is all that you can do. And we've seen an increase in the number of um, suicide or suicide attempts, um, both by males and by females of, of young people. We've also seen an increase in hospital admissions with substance-induced psychosis. And yeah. primarily that has come from the use of marijuana, which um, the THC content is like sativa, which is 97%. And what people don't understand is, you know, a lot of times I talk to parents and they go, well, everybody's doing that. So what's the harm? But the harm is that, number one, the quantity and frequency plus intensity is astronomical, and you've got kids smoking now six, seven, eight times a day. We have um, Dr. Eric Ornstein, who is going on our show to explain to parents the dangers. So then you can have parents who say, but my child doesn't listen to me. What do you want to say to those parents? I'm sorry, I had a hard time hearing you, but my child isn't what? Listening to my, me? My, right. My child doesn't want to listen. I, so I'm blowing the thing. So, so, all, all the talk back to Yeah, so, you know, having a child hold you hostage is probably the most common thing that I hear from parents. And so, um, you know, you, you've you got to understand that your child has an impaired brain. The brain doesn't develop till age 25. And I think that a lot of parents today want to be friends with, parents, friends with children as opposed to be parents. If it's a two-parent family or two-partner family, you all have to be on the same page. And what I love to do with parents is... Um, it draw out a snowman, and you know a snowman has a little round head, and the little round head re- represents the couple system. You know, if that's mom and dad or a partner, partner, it doesn't really matter. But the two of you have to be in agreement on how you're going to st- to say yes and how you're going to say no. The round belly of a snowman, if you drew in the word parent. So what is it that you're going to allow Johnny to do? What is it that you're going to allow Sally to do? And what is off limits? And this is where you have to say, you know, dad and I, mom and I, we discuss whatever it is. This is sort of what we're, this is acceptable versus this is not acceptable behavior. And these are the consequences if you choose to do that. What happens is kids, are very bright, and they know how to work the room. They know if you say no, they can go to the other person to say yes. And in single-parent families, you have to be both. So there's no question about that. But you have to be very clear on what behaviors you're willing to accept and also to have the courage to enforce it. As a young child, you're the primary supporter of them. They don't have their own money. What are they going to do, yell, scream, and never talk to you again? They live in your house. You provide them food, clothing, and shelter. And so giving yourself the courage to be a parent, to have, and if you have any problems, there's plenty of people, like remarkably, you said there's 900 therapists just in Nephish alone, you know, to help you become the parent you're meant to be, not the parent that you're afraid to be. 
Wow, yes, we are talking to Louise Danner, who's an author, an educator, an interventionist. And let me tell you, interventionist, me from masks point of view, is the most important person to use when struggling to decide where to put a child in rehab because many parents, Louise, tell me, I looked it up on the internet, I googled, I searched, I spoke to my neighbor. That's not the way one should pick a rehab for their loved ones. You must look at the bigger picture, the underlying conditions, the person, how they are, where they are, what they're doing, what they aren't doing, and Dr. Louise Stanger is known to be one of the best in the business. So yeah, that I was mean, a little commercial for you oh, without so you sweet. knowing so that I'm going to do have, it. So I have a lot of free material, and also my latest book, of course, tells you of what to look for in a treatment center. And, and it's really uh, clear that not all treatment centers are alike. There's no question about it. There's no way about it. There's no nothing about it. And so you got to be really, really clear that when you're talking about that, um, not all treatment centers are alike. And so you want to find someone who can help you because, you know, treatment dollars, it's very expensive to send your loved one to a behavioral health care center. And you want to make sure that your treatment dollars are the best. And so you need someone who's willing to do due diligence, learn everything about you, learn everything about your loved one, learn everything about your family, and then be able to um, put that together and give you three different centers to connect you with that match what's going on with your loved one plus what's going on with your pocketbook. And you want that person not to be, you want that person that helps you to be independent, meaning they're not on anybody's payroll except their own, and you're hiring them. Right. Um, you know, but there's a lot of also free good resources from you, from SAMHSA, um, Substance mm-hmm. Abuse Mental Health Administration, but you want to be really, really clear that that's what you want to do. Um, because not all treatment centers are alike. I have a, a blog, if you went on my website, it says not all treatment centers are alike. There's a section in my new book that deals with that. But you want to be knowledgeable. And, you know, websites can be deceiving. <laughs> uh, and, you know, that and people come and say, oh, I put my child in this one and in that one. Yeah. And now I need help and I need to clean up that mess. And I don't want people to go down that route. Let's get yeah. them the right place from the beginning and they should have it chance at doing well, succeeding, and being able to lead a sober, healthy life. So, Dr. Stanger, it's wonderful always having you on. I really appreciate you making the time tonight. And my message to the parents is open a dialogue. Start somewhere. Start now. Speak to your children before they start doing marijuana. Don't wait until you find out they're vaping and doing marijuana. Have an earlier conversation. Have a serious, nice conversation about it. Nice meaning not arguing, 
but education, I'll give them the facts. There are plenty of masks on to different sites that they can watch different uh, infomercials about marijuana and the dangers. Let's get our kids to make better decisions, healthy decisions. Uh, it's a very confusing world with marijuana today uh, and very dangerous. And tune in. We will be having Dr. Eric Bornstein to give us real hard So thank you, Dr. Spang. It's always uh, wonderful having you on. Thanks. You so much. Many blessings. And, you know, there's one other little tip I want to give. If they go to my website, I have a really fun, because sleep has been something that's really been hard, but I have a very good little video. If they just go to sleep and substance abuse, 10 tips for a good night's sleep, because everybody needs a good night's sleep in this world. Oh, yes. Thank you. And I want to wish everyone... I want to wish everyone a very good evening, a beautiful Shabbos, a meaningful fast day on Sunday, Tisha B'Av. And always remember, hang in, hold on, and for now virtually, hug tight. Tonight's show is in memory of Simcha Shmuel Ben Moshe and Rivka Bas Yisrael. Thank you. And have a good night. New Yorkers share why they got a COVID-19 vaccine. Because of my friends and my loved ones. Because I've lost so many and I didn't just, I never want to lose anymore. I had some complications, you know, physically. So I thought it was the right thing for me to do. I took it. My mom took it. My dad took it. And I feel good. Visit nyc.gov slash vaccine finder or call 877-VAX4NYC.